Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaky Powerful Podcast. My name is Ali Capurro, and I'm so glad you're here. Today I interview my friend and colleague, Lynn McLean. Lynn is a somatic experiencing practitioner as well as an ordained minister and intuitive healer. She has a private practice on the traditional lands of the Kalapuya people, now known as Salem, Oregon. Lynn uses SE, co-regulating touch, as well as attachment to help nervous systems regain their intrinsic balance. She is also a teaching assistant with Somatic Experiencing International, as well as Peter Levine's Ergos Institute. One of her greatest joys is holding space for others as they do their deep healing work. And I've been lucky enough to spend time with Lynn and get to see her hold that space, as well as get to know her as such a lovely human. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Welcome, Lynn, to the Sneaky Powerful Podcast. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Ali. Thanks for having me. My gratitude emerged just like from the bottom up like a spring. I was like, mm. I am so grateful to be here on Easter Sunday with you. Yeah, I I was sort of tickled that we are meeting on this day. It's the theme of this day with, with Easter. Also, we had Passover, mm. you know, spring equinox was just... You know, not too long ago, this this idea of rebirth, regrowth, resurrection. What is healing if not rebirth? And especially healing from trauma. Oh, and I just got goosebumps. I, I'm having a big emotional response. Like I just I feel yeah. tears wanting to come. It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So what do we do in SE? We welcome it, right? Yeah. I love this so much. When you say those things, the rebirth, the regrowth, the resurrection, I am pulled to talk about you being an ordained minister because I think that's such a fascinating facet of you. But the deeper I know you, the more I'm like, there's like a million fascinating facets of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's a million fascinating facets of all of us, right? Mm. And so... Yes as we continue today to just sort of invite that awareness and the container that we're holding together is one of expansion and learning and depth. And, and that's a big part of what I do when I work with my clients is I'm not only inviting us to work on their trauma histories, but also to to become more connected into their essence, into who they are, into the wholeness of themselves, which is multifaceted. So I love that you bring that in. And yeah, I'm an ordained minister. I, when I was a very young little girl, I used to get visions. Uh, I used to know things. I knew things before things happened and it was something that had been a big part of my life and got kind of squelched as I grew. And it wasn't until I was living in Los Angeles and really started pursuing a deep spiritual path that I learned that this thing that would happen to me was called claircognizance. I would also hear things and sometimes see things. And you know, there was a sort of love-hate relationship with it because it was really squelched as a kiddo. I couldn't talk about it. And then when I was able to talk about it, I was looked at like a parlor trick, you know? And so it's just sort of this dance. But one of the reasons I became ordained minister was that because so much of the work I do has this spiritual component to it, there was this real sense of creating a structure. And I'm a Capricorn, and Capricorns are all about structure. You know, not control, but just it's containing. Mm -hmm. And containment is so good for me and can be so helpful for others in their healing. So 
That's in part how, you know, one of the reasons why I became ordained. And also I had some friends getting married too, and they wanted to, I bet. you know, you know <laughs> so there's that little bit that I, I can do. Um, right. I don't have a congregation or anything right. like that. Right. Yeah. I'm a follower. I'm a Lynn follower. <laughs> oh man. I guess that opens up to my next question about somatic experiencing and how it found you. I've stopped saying, how did you find it? Because it seems to be not the case. Yeah. And truly in my story, it found me. And it's a, it's a large story. It's rich. It's magical. It's complicated. So I'm going to do my best to sort of, you know, pare yes. it down. But so my partner, Arthur and I previously lived in Southern California. We had uh, purchased a property in an area called Topanga, California, at Topanga Canyon. It was a magical property. It felt like my sole property. At the time, I was working in the entertainment industry as an actor and a voiceover artist, and I had been doing that for many, many years. And I was finding that I had reached a point in that career where things were sort of, say, stalling. They were stalling. There wasn't a lot of flow. I was also struggling. I couldn't quite understand why the thing I thought I was supposed to be doing wasn't happening easily. And I was at a, a point in my life where I was in my late 40s and was sort of questioning, what am I meant to be doing if not this? And it was painful. I was dealing with some depression and uncertainty, and I was definitely at a big crossroads, but I didn't know what. What was I supposed to be doing? I had been walking a spiritual path. I, I had that, but I'm not a woo-woo-y person. I wasn't going to sit and use my claircognizance as like, oh, let me tell you. You know, that's not my, my jam. I'm really down to earth. I'm, again, that structure and containment. <laughs> and so in December of 2012, Arthur was at work and he passed out and he fell and fractured his skull in three places suffered a traumatic brain injury, and we weren't sure if he was going to make it. And his work colleagues called me, and I got down to the emergency room. And while we were waiting for the doctors to come in, I something told me to jump on Facebook. And so I did, and I put out a clarion call for prayer and light and healing and good thoughts and juju at all. And I stayed on Facebook updating folks because a lot of people were, were answering. And one of those humans that answered was an acting colleague of mine. And we ran into each other, I want to say about six weeks after the initial accident. Oh, mm -hmm. And we were at a casting director workshop. And, you know, she asked after Arthur, and then she said, have you ever heard of somatic experiencing? And I answered no. And she proceeded to tell me a bit about it. And she thought it might be helpful for Arthur when he was ready, you know, to look at the trauma. And she used the word trauma. And I kind of, in my mind went, oh, golly, I guess this was a trauma. And she gave me the name and number of a practitioner that she highly recommended. And she also mentioned that she was friends, personal friends with the man who created it, Peter Levine. And I thought, well, this sounds, sounds kind of cool. And I really respect her and trust her. And so I kind of put the card in my pocket and told Arthur when I got home that evening. And about six months after that, he had been working with our couples counselor and was really struggling. It was like, this therapy thing isn't helping. Do you... I think it said something like, do you the name of that trauma person? And, and I went, oh, yeah. And so I gave him the info and he scheduled a session. And he came home after the session and he said, babe, you'd love this. 
and you'd be really good at it. And I went, what do you mean? And he said, you'd be really good at like doing it, helping people with this. And I kind of went, now at that time, I had just been diagnosed with my second disease. It was an autoimmune disease. And I'm pretty certain sort of the symptomology came out because of what had happened to Arthur, you know, the shock trauma that I went through with him six months prior. And so I thought, well, maybe I should check this SE thing out and see, you know, I had done therapy and healing work and transformational work. And, you know, I'd been doing that for years. And so I wanted to find a practitioner for myself. And it turned out one of his work colleagues was working with an SE practitioner. And I got their contact info and I set up a session and I left there like blown away. Like I knew in my bones, this was going to be the game changer for me. And it it makes me emotional because my life changed. It was the game changer. And so I, you know, was doing it. And then about two months in, it was pretty clear. Oh, I think I need to study this. And that's the rest, as they say, is history. So that's sort of how it found me. Such a beautiful story. And I'm so glad Arthur's okay. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. And I'm wondering, what do you think? I think about, for example, maybe people that don't, haven't really done SE personal sessions or I'm not sure who the audience is going to be, but let's assume, you know, people learning somatic experiencing. And I, as a new practitioner years ago, I remember thinking, I I know this is magical stuff and not in the woo-woo, like you said, it's it's that intersection of science and intuition or science and God, whatever that means to people. But it's very grounded and very rooted and real. <laughs> and so I think when you when you think of that first session and you knew, I wonder what if you could put words to it, I wonder what you knew. Putting words to these things is almost impossible <laughs> for me personally. I felt a deep sense of myself that I had never experienced before. What does that mean? It means that I experienced the whole of me. So not just my story not just my emotions, but I also experienced my body in a new way. And the depth of the inside of me, my heart, my organs, my my tissues, I really, it, it was like nothing I had ever experienced before and I think that's the power of this work (laughs) it is bringing us more holistically into the whole of who we are and what's important to note is that SE is not just for humans that are our mental health practitioners. I was going to ask you about that. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Did right. you go get a degree? What? Anyway, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not a mental health practitioner. Right, right. And there are a lot of SE practitioners that are not mental health practitioners. So we use these words healer, helper often when we're doing SE trainings. Um, And I think that for 
for people that, that learn to do this modality, it's more about how can we hold space for humans to do their healing work, you know, which is very different than you're coming to me and I'm going to tell you what you need to know in order to be happy. I can't tell you what you need to know. Right. I'm just going to get irritated trying. (laughs) Well, and it's, and it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's not about that, um, you know, and also there's this stigma around the word healer. I mean, it's such a thing, I, you know, I, because I'm intuitive, I use the terminology intuitive healer, but I'm not doing anything. I'm, what I'm doing is I'm holding, creating the container and holding the space for my client to do their healing work. And I have the capacity in me to hold a big container for that. I, I'm really wanting to dig into that, so if it's okay, because I think that that's something that is kind of not confusing, but what does it mean when you have the capacity versus when you didn't have the capacity to hold space for someone? What does that look like or feel like, or um, what is that experience? Because I. I could think of maybe even myself as a human, as a teacher or as a practitioner, thinking I'm holding, having the capacity to hold space, but I didn't. It's a great question, Allie, because a big part of what we're doing when we're doing SE with folks is we're helping them to grow their capacity. And so having the capacity is not taking someone's stuff on as my own is not having my personality slash ego come in with any kind of judgment, is my ability to see the person in front of me as whole and complete, just as they are, and to always lead with love. And that is everything. Everything. It's such a gift. It's such a gift give someone and it I think of ideally that's how our parents or as our caregivers would have been yeah those things but it is what it is it is what it is yeah and so you know my capacity has grown over the years but a big part of how it grew was doing my own healing and Going back to that first session, I was coming to this practitioner to heal my, you know, look at this, these diseases. Why do I have these diseases? You know, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't touch that stuff for months. <laughs> I mean, it, because really it was like, oh, you know, I knew I had a, I had a rough start as a kiddo early on, but I didn't look at it in terms of trauma so much, you know, I knew a lot of us had rough starts. It was, and certainly my generation, a lot of us did, but boy, howdy, when we started to dig in, it was like, I got trauma. And so as that capacity and regulation started happening in my nervous system, as completion started happening, as renegotiation started happening, as it went from the explicit to the implicit, my capacity continued to expand. And I'm speaking about this in my own experience because this is what we're doing when we're doing SE with clients, right? We're, we're really inviting this new way of being within themselves. And we're up against all sorts of stuff, right? We're up against different types of trauma. And We're up against personality versus organism, you know, and there's all these things as practitioners that we are tracking and we're watching. But if we simplify it, it's really about holding that container so this this capacity can grow, this regulation can expand, and then it can move from the explicit work of doing to the implicitness of being. 
And oh, so, beautiful. yeah. I keep thinking of, first of all, how good it feels to be connected with you in this conversation. I can feel just the physical experience of um, healthy connection and good connection. And uh, it just feels embodied for lack of a more exciting word. (laughs) But I was thinking about, uh, I did my training in Bozeman, Montana with Abby Blakesley. And I remember watching her talk and move probably beginning one. And I remember, and I see it in you as well, but just the, the slower movements, the careful, the um, pauses that aren't shaming, like as far as, oh, I need to be a better speaker. Or I need to keep going. Like she had this really intentional way of being with all of us. And it was probably, I had seen Peter speak in Portland maybe a year before, but because Abby was teaching it to us, I think that was the, like she, I, literally I was absorbing the learning just by watching, just by watching her move in space. And I can, I can feel it and think of it now. And, and she had us do this thing where she was talking about, I'm sure, you know, activation, pendulation, titration, all the good things, discharge, boom. Isn't that the thing? <laughs> anyway, <Yeah. laughs> but she had us all go like this. And to this day, if I do that, my system settles just a yeah. little bit, That's just awesome. a little bit. Yeah. 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 It's sneaky, powerful. <laughs> sneaky, powerful. I love that. I love that. I love that. That's the name because it's so true. It is so true. Yeah. And even talking with you, I'm feel, I guess that's what it is to describe the feeling of what I, is going on. It's just a sneaky, powerful strength, capacity, expansion. It just is uh, why I'm alive and why I'm doing this. Oh, um, beautiful. So those are a lot of good magic moments already. I'm wondering, since it is Easter, and one of the things we talked about in the pre-call was rebirth, rebirth to ourselves, this is going to be really open. And so whatever comes to your intuitive natured mind, heart, soul, it's uh, wherever we want to go with it. But maybe I could start by considering the both and of the time that we're in right now. You know, it's something that I personally am working on holding And I think for me, it really got, well, probably started six years ago and has continued as I, as I watched things change in the collective, certainly in our country. And then when the pandemic came and there were different points of view, and I just was constantly in my meditations and my beingness, like, what if there isn't a right? Absolutely. Right. Like what if it isn't about right or wrong? I'm, you know, for me, it's more about this. Is it coming from love? Absolutely. Or is it coming from fear? And this is not some sort of concept I came up with, right? So this is, this is sort of what the, the great teachers of the world have always been teaching us. Can we hold this and that? And certainly SE is. Can you notice this tightness in your chest while also noticing the softness in your belly? It's being able to hold the both end. That's a real simple thing. And then we branch it out into the collective. And if we can hold, you know, this human believes is, and what this human believes is, if we can hold both, isn't that what love is? Isn't not what, you know, the human that was named Jesus Christ was teaching and Buddha was teaching and all of the great teachers, right? Can you not be in judgment that I am right and you are wrong? You know, when one has a commitment to being right, that is a commitment to personality and ego. Totally. When one has a commitment to being happy, that is... That is a commitment to love, to all that is. And so 
There's this quote of Marianne Williamson in The Alchemy of Easter, and I'm not going to read the whole quote, but the last line is, to lean on the resurrection is simply to recognize what's true, that if happiness hasn't arrived yet, then the story isn't over. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And so... Can we hold the both end? Because I have found personally for me, holding the both end, especially right now, has brought a lot more peace in my life. Now, are there things going on out in the collective I don't like? Absolutely. Are there things that need to change so that there is equality, so that there is inclusion, so that there is justice, all of that. Yes, 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 and yes. And it's super easy for me as a privileged white woman to be able to sit here and say, oh, I don't have to, you know, it doesn't touch my life, so I don't have to deal with it. Well, I do deal with it. But what I'm saying is, if I'm going to help energetically hold this idea of us moving into all of these things, I need to be that as much as possible. Look, I'm a human. You're a human. We're all human. It's not like I have figured it out. I haven't by any stretch. But what I am noticing is that the more I lean into holding the both hand, the less I get into judgment, the less I get into all of this. And the more effective I can be in how I can show up. Mic drop, we're done. (laughs) It's so true, though. Because what's that quote or saying? If we all um, swept our own front porches, the whole world would be clean. (laughs) And, and, you know, not everyone has access to brooms metaphorically, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But yeah, those of us that can, when I'm not in survival mode, as I've made my way out of, you know, living in less in survival mode, I'm more able to sweep my own front porch and then offer, yeah, what I can and how I show up. I love that. You know, how are we going to survive as a species? What we've been doing hasn't worked. (laughs) You know, and that's why folks like you and I end up having humans reach out to us and ask for help because Mm -hmm. they need to come out of survival mode. And that's one of the beautiful things about SE. And look, I know SE is based on practices that have been around well before SEF was, right? Right. So I really acknowledge that. And these are indigenous cultures have been practicing these things forever. And maybe this human named Peter Levine was able to take it and sort of put it into a structure that maybe was able to reach more of the mainstream, you know, and all of that. But that is one of the things about SE that's so great is it's, it's working to help the physiology move out of the survival mode, right? And into more beingness and happiness. I have folks that come to me and everyone is different. Everybody is different. Everybody is different. But one of the things I share from my own experience is that, you know, Life is never going to be this this fantasy, magical unicorns and lollipops. That's not what it's about. But if we can create a baseline where where we're coming from a more regulated, more connected us, then when the stuff gets thrown at us, we can ride, as Abby, I'm doing that motion right now that you did, we can ride the wave like a surfer and we can respond instead of react mm-hmm. and yes. boy what a difference that makes in life what a difference i even like times where people have responded rather than reacting for example to me personally or if i've done it with my kids or whatever it's it's so it just creates so much possibility within that moment that's yeah. different than just causing more pain, basically. Yeah. 
I like to hold out hope that we as humans will get it. And, you know, I'm pretty clear it's not going to be in my lifetime. I'm not going to get to see it. It's possible, but it will be up to each of us, you know. Yeah, it will. The individual and the collective. And there's, I think, that both and. <laughs> yeah. In a different so, sort of way. Yeah. So when I think of SE, I really think of it as being able to hold both and. After we've done all the good renegotiation, after we've done all the good completion and all the cool stuff we can do in SE, it's really about being able to hold the both hand. And I'll never forget, I was doing, this is one thing, you know, we're, we're using the term magical. And there was a magic moment for me different from that first session where I knew, which was pretty magical, but it was the first time I had experienced completion. Yay. <laughs> That's and, kind of what I wanted to ask. Yeah. And so I, I was working on a minor car accident with my practitioner and I had my hands up as if I were holding a steering wheel. And my practitioner asked that Special question. <laughs> if your body could have done anything in that moment, what would it have wanted to do? And all of a sudden, my hands, and I'm feeling it right now, started to turn. I wasn't doing it, but as if I were turning the steering wheel and getting out of the way of the oncoming car. Oh, and I'm feeling it right now. This is so wild. And I was sort of like, whoa. And then this big deactivation happened. And I started shaking a little bit, but more underneath the skin was that inner tremble. And, you know, we hung out with that and really let that integrate. And that was kind of mind-blowing to me, which is the power of the human organism getting to complete what it didn't get to complete in the moment such a fine example of what SE can do. And so after that, there was more space to hold the both hands, right? So every time. Yeah, I think that's an essential piece of this because that, you know, minor car accident who, you know, you, you know, maybe there's some lingering sort of symptoms, but maybe not. And then you do this work and, and it's amazing the toll that it was actually taking on you. Yeah. But the completion and the, I was working, I did a, a couple personal sessions with Mashid recently mm-hmm. and Rachel, Rachel called her mama Mashid. And I'm like, oh my God, forever in my heart, she's mama Mashid now. Yeah. <laughs> but why I bring that up is I was thinking about my mom being gone and how it's so lovely having like these really beautiful, amazing women that do not replace my mom, but offer love, support, nurturing, presence. (laughs) Some of those things my mom wasn't great at. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the things I didn't quite get. (laughs) I'm getting in this moment. I'm getting them now, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I relate, Allie. I relate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when I had my first baby, my mom was still alive. And I'm like, Mom, do you want to hold the baby? She's probably like three days old. And, you know, we're not letting her touch furniture, the ground, anything. She's always in someone's arms. Mm. And my mom's like, Yeah. And then so she gets her. And literally within five seconds, she sets her on the couch next to her. Mm. And I'm like, Oh. Oh, right. There. There's there it is. what I didn't yeah. get. Yeah. Anyway, so I kind of wanted to ask about, because one of the things that used to be secret when I started this a couple interviews ago and is less secret now is that this is my way to get extra SE therapy. So oh. <laughs> good on you. Right. I'm like, I know, <laughs> but I was thinking about Some of the things that are really troubling me lately as a human personally are the way that I'm noticing, I think it's because my capacity is larger, but I can access the bad and how bad it was 
more than I used to be able to. And that's kind of throwing me a little bit for a loop personally. And I guess I'm curious if that makes sense to you or if that feels familiar at all, because it's kind of, I I think because I had been so dissociated, actually, this is connecting now, of course. I was talking to Masheed about some of my trauma and because I've done a lot of EMDR and I love my therapist and she's an EMDR therapist and very well versed in trauma, not the weekend version, but (laughs) some more (laughs) comprehensive. (laughs) And Masheed had said, I said, but I've never really, the trauma's always been kind of out here. And the way Masheed, I hope I don't incorrectly paraphrase what she said, but she said that that can happen with EMDR, uh, that it can be kind of a dissociated experience of healing. And I don't want to discredit EMDR because that's certainly not what this is about. But to understand the embodied healing of a traumatic piece, especially if it's something like sexual abuse, where you were probably, well, trauma, you're going to be probably dissociated, but where that's one of your main survival skills. Yeah. So I'm still kind of going, okay, what does it look like to heal from my trauma in an embodied way? Mm. And there's not really a specific question in there, but anything you want to speak to and it it would be welcome. Yeah, well, I I think the thing we want to, I want to, let me say, hold is that the fact that our nervous systems are so dang brilliant (laughs) That when something really awful is happening to us and we can't complete a self-protective response like fight away or flee, and certainly as kiddos, we don't have any options, that we can go into this dorsal state, this free state, whether it's sort of that tonic immobility or that massive shutdown the, the leaving our body, that dissociative state, it is, it is such a gift because like you said, it's a survival strategy, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yay, because here we are now. Mm-hmm. We made it to yes. right now. Mm-hmm. And then feeling from an, in an embodied way is using the awareness of right now and coming back in. Slowly, gently, hydrated, so that Absolutely. we start to land fully in. And when we land fully in, we are going to feel all the things that were too much for us to feel. Yes. Right? I think that's important to, yes. Very name. important. Yeah. Very important. However... Because we do it in a specific way, because we titrate the re-entry, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, we're building that capacity as we're taking tiny little sips of the drink. Yes. And as we take the next sip, then there's just a little more ability to be with it and so on and so on. So now we've landed in. We're going to feel all those feelings, fully feel them, and they're not going to take us out because we can ride the wave. We're also going to feel all the yummy feelings because that too will not take us out. But the key is the slow titrated process. EMDR in and of itself is magical. We don't know why it works so well, but it does. <laughs> Seriously. But it goes in really fast, really hard. Mm-hmm. And for some systems, mm-hmm. especially systems that had things happen to them when they were kiddos, that's too much. I am really appreciating this. That makes a ton of sense because I can almost feel if we want to jump into internal family systems briefly, I can almost feel a young part of myself that knows how to hold this so well, nothing is going to get to her it, without her permission, <laughs> or at least the exiled part that's without her permission, not EMDR, not SE. So that titrated piece, she's like, yeah, that's that's maybe what, what will get me. 
Yeah, I can hear her right now as you're talking. <laughs> right. Well, and even my little girl, like my little girl was so abandoned by her caregivers. You know, one was physically present. One, I was taken away from another one, but so abandoned emotionally that when I, when I started my healing journey well before Essie, I was bringing my adult self in and wrapping my arms around the little Lynn inside and just letting her know that I wasn't going anywhere, that I had her back. And just that, it's not like I was reparenting her, but I was just being with her. And, and so I think for me, my little one inside, when SE came along, you know, the adult me was like, well, let's give it a try. Let's see what happens, you know? And she went, oh, okay. Yeah. And the little bits were the thing that really made the difference because, you know, my story really is developmental trauma. And it started in utero, as I discovered in my own journey of my healing. And, but I had no idea. Right. Right. Why, you know. why would you? Yeah. Why right. would I? You right. know, I mean, yeah. I look at the ACE and, you know, I score really high on ACE, all those things. Mm. And look, my, I give grace, caregivers. Even the ones that are not doing a great job are doing the best they can with what they have. Mm-hmm. We all are. Mm-hmm. We all are. That's the both hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know yeah. where we're going with this, but but the more I embodied, love it, though. You are, you are, <laughs> you are naming the more embodied. Yeah. So finding safety in our body, you know, with sexual abuse, as you and I both know, the body isn't safe. You know, we had to leave in order to survive. So that takes a little extra pinch of cinnamon and dash of sugar to get the recipe just right. That is the best description I've heard yet. That's exactly, mm -hmm. it is like this little tricky recipe that's like, "Mm, not quite, almost not quite. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And we're looking for the just right. You know, we are looking for the, mm-hmm. the bed that Goldilocks can lay exactly. on that is just right. So it's a, an exercise in curiosity, in exploration, in, in, in presence. Again, being embodied is being present. Mm-hmm. And I really, I don't know that this is a fact, but in my experience, I don't believe, or a belief I have, I don't believe we can fully be present if our body isn't part of the conversation. I would agree, just maybe from my own experience, without, yeah, just saying my belief, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. what we're doing, you know, so... And, and to not shame or make wrong the part that has to dissociate or got to, not has to, I want to say got to. I totally agree. Like, mm-hmm. hallelujah, you've got mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And now you want to experience something different. Wonderful. Yep. So let's have the gentle dance in. Let's have the gentle coming in. Yes. You know. Gentle, which makes so much sense for little kids. They would want gentle. Yeah. Yeah. That also makes me think there's two things because we're racing through our time, of course. (laughs) There's two things that I wanted to really make sure to talk about. One is the resonance field and two, the word resurrection. And so maybe we could start with resurrection because as we're talking about these really deep traumas and because it's Easter I want to talk about what that the resurrection was a huge part of my childhood the story of it with the story of Jesus and and then since then I've heard I think it was Glennon Doyle that recognized this time period as the Holy Thursday Good Friday I was raised Catholic, so and then Easter Sunday as the pain, the waiting, the rising. And I've loved that 
because it, I think I do it more than once a day in various uh, level degrees. <laughs> and, then, and then there's kind of, you know, broader experiences of it. But I guess I was thinking we had kind of talked about um, rebirth to ourselves and healing from trauma and how that concept of resurrection, what it means to you or the pain, the waiting, the rising, if it conjures any any stories or thoughts? Well, I mean, from my own experience, all those things happened to me. They were painful. And then there was this period of my life, this period of this waiting, of waiting to get somewhere, waiting to get to the place where the pain wouldn't be. Yeah. And then the SE came in and it was truly the vehicle that helped me move through and to the rising into a space where I can handle pain if it comes and it won't take me out because pain is going to come. It is going to come. And Mm. that's the difference for me in rising up into ourselves is is this idea that we can hold the the whole of totality and experience all the things even the things that are really 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 hard right and if we're going to look at the story of Jesus i mean the the story of of him his resurrection is the same thing you know nothing can keep us from who we are if we just say yes. Yes. The life, what did you say earlier? Joseph Campbell's quote, the life. Um, oh, it was uh, Marianne. Marianne Williamson. To lean on the resurrection is simply oh. to recognize what's true, that if happiness hasn't arrived yet, then the story isn't over. Yeah. I truly believe all humans have a birthright and that birthright is happiness. And there's a lot of things that humans have to go through. And a lot of humans don't get the support to have that. But if we are going to bring in this idea of God, universe, spirit at all, and we are a part of this greater thing, and there is no separation, I mean, yes, there is different you know, skin colors and different things and different bodies have to go through different things. And yet, aren't we all connected to nature, to all that is? Then wouldn't it stand a reason that we all, our birthright is all to, to experience happiness in our lives, to be able to live in a space of being able to hold the both and, and know we are nowhere near that for all humans by any stretch. I think what you're touching on makes me remember, I think it's Sean Korn, also from the Panga Canyon. Yes. <laughs> and and I, I follow her on social media and her book, read her book and mm. um, love her. And uh, basically yoga is justice. It's, mm. it's like they're not to be separated and to try is not disastrous, but kind of silly in the sense of then you're missing a piece of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, what that, that's what comes to mind when you say that, because it's funny to me that people don't seem to understand, and that's probably the wrong word, but that if someone's not free, nor am I, <laughs> like it's it's not, and I think maybe that's the difference. Maybe you've had a sense of that since you were very young. Maybe I've had a sense of that since I was very young which I can remember being very young and very much understanding the difference in what people's home lives, for example, how that shifted their worldly experience, their daily life. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, We are up against systems. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you and I have privilege. Mm-hmm. Just the mere fact that we are we are white humans gives us a 
this privilege and it's these systems and these systems are the things that humans have created and it's the systems are our biggest failing it's like coming out of it you know the the allegory of the cave i think it's plato's allegory of the cave the idea that it's this philosophical idea that when you're down in a cave and that's where you're raised and you don't know what's above and so you don't even know to think of it and i se has kind of supported this process for me in 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 the systems way of coming out of the cave and seeing which i'm so grateful for yeah yeah as painful as it is or as embarrassing or saddening i'm mm-hmm. so grateful for and I do, I think it is SE. And I think like Sean Korn's description of yoga, it's SE is justice. Yeah. Beautiful. It is beautiful. Okay. So the last thing, if you have a minute, <laughs> is there's been several times in our conversation where you've said something that I've been thinking. And I know that we're (laughs) not totally different humans, so that would make sense. But I'm also, I love talking about the, like the resonance field. And so I wanted to get your interpretation of what that is. Your words. I'm still trying to find words for it because. Hmm. The resonance field for me. And uh, golly words, interesting is not about words. You're exactly right. Do you feel so, Obviously you feel it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm going to use a little thing that maybe can be an example of the resonance field. Cause I don't know. I don't know how to put words to it, but this is part of my story. Mm, yes. So going back to this property that my partner and I bought in Topanga, California, the the woman who had owned it prior passed away there years, about three or four years before we bought it. And I had always felt this really strong connection to her. I had never met her before. And over the almost seven years of us living on that land, I learned more about her. Friends of hers popped over, you know, And there was just a lot of things we had in common, as it turned out. And we ended up obviously selling that land. I was struggling with selling that land for a while. But about nine months before we put it on the market, we were hosting an art show on our property something that happens every year in the canyon. And it was really interesting because that day, three humans came onto the property and all of them were SEPs. Well, two were SEPs and one was in training. And I got to talk to all of them. And so I I thought, well, isn't this interesting? And then toward the end of that day, a woman arrived with two other people and she came up to me and said, are you Lynn? And I said, yes. And she introduced herself and she said, I'm the best friend of the woman who owned the property prior. And I was like, oh, wow. Hi. I walked around the land. I showed her what we had done with it. I talked about my story of Arthur's fall and my finding a C and moving out of the entertainment industry and completely changing my life and how much this land had meant to me and we're going to be selling it. And she looked at me and she said, Moria, who's the woman who owned it prior, was personal friends with Peter Levine. Stop it. And I, I dropped on my knees sobbing. Oh, <laughs> Because in that moment, I had the evidence that what had transpired for me there was meant to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now I am doing the work that I was put here on the planet to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's resonance. I love it. <laughs> the best story. Mm. Oh. Like we're like there's when we get in tune, there's little magnets connecting us. <laughs> find me, find you, find each other. 
Oh, what a dear, dear story. Tender. I guess it's time to close. I feel like um, maybe we'll get to do this again sometime. But if I not, I get to see you. And I heard you are coming to Boise. Yes. Well, Rachel said she's coming. And oh, she she's said, Len's, Len's making me. And I said, well, good. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. So, you know, part of the thing that I do outside of seeing clients is that I'm also an assistant for SEI, as are you. And I'm also a, a lead assistant. So I get to travel around and work with different cohorts, uh, supporting faculty members. And you and I are doing the training in the Boise cohort. And so we're going to be doing one of our modules in person in the summer. So we will get to be physically in each other's presence and I'll get to give you a hug because you and I have never met in person. I've never met Rachel. Yeah. No. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we get to do that. And yeah, that's going to be delightful. And we will see... We'll see each other online too before that. I yes. Think. Yeah. 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 But, and Instagram. Um, it's always good seeing your face on Instagram. I know. And some <laughs> other things that we're going to be participating in too, I think as well. So. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. Right. So um, we do, we get to, oh, yay. we get to do this. Thank you so much for oh, inviting me to hang out with you on Easter Sunday, chatting about all that we chatted about yeah I it's inspired my day in a way that Mm. probably yeah I'll take a minute to normally my mom was the queen of holidays and so for I I literally missed probably two holidays with her probably one Thanksgiving and one Easter yeah until I was about 40 Mm. when she died so um it feels synchronous it feels like it's from her that I'm here today with you. It feels, yeah, like when you said fell to your knees and sobbed because of the resonance field, I could get a little bit, I can feel that. Yeah, let's, can <laughs> that we just take, can yes, we just take let's a moment see it. Yeah. Let's just really, I want to invite us to just notice how that shows up in our bodies. What was your mom's name? Gail. <laughs> she was a force just like the wind. So maybe we can notice how Gail, mm-hmm. Gail's energy also shows up in our bodies in this moment. wind is blowing outside my house right now and the chimes are chiming. I would have loved you. <laughs> yeah, I thank her for kind of being a force at my back, pushing me forward out of my comfort zone into a life that is filled with freedom and vitality and all those things that I've seen Peter talk about when you heal from trauma, spirituality, vitality. Oh, he is, if I I was telling my partner the other day, if I were going to put a picture of like a guru or, you know, uh, people put their spiritual leaders on their walls or whatever, I would put Peter because I feel like I haven't met him in person. And so I get to just hold him as this wise and fatherly, lovely being that has saved my life. I got to thank him in person many years ago for doing the same. So. His his reply to me was, well, now you got to go take it out into the world. Yeah, that's the best reply ever because that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, pinky swear, we'll do it. <laughs> okay, it's hard. My attachment issues always come up with the goodbyes. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
but knowing that I'll see you um, in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Is it all okay? Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your Easter. Yes, you too. I hope you and Arthur are going to get to enjoy your dogs and your view. Thank you. Because that sounds amazing to me. I've got to go hunt eggs right now, which is not my favorite. Oh, boy. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. I'll talk to you sometime soon. All right. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Sneaky Powerful podcast and my interview with Lynn McLean. I hope you enjoyed it. And you can find more information about somatic experiencing at traumahealing.org and more information about Sneaky Powerful at sneakypowerful.com. I'm incredibly grateful for your support. Thank you.